in the right time, everything will come about. And it's okay if it takes longer. So I've had a lot of, uh, I had a bruised ego for a bit. Where it's just like, why? This should be, I'm doing everything the way it should be done. I should have closed like 5 million deals already. What's going on? (laughs) And, And to just surrender and say, okay, that's okay. I'm learning, I'm growing, and it's happening. It's just not happening as fast as I want. Welcome to the Threefold Real Estate Investing Podcast. This is the podcast where you'll not only learn how you can achieve massive success in multifamily real estate investing, but also how you can simultaneously pursue great relationships with your family and a better walk with God. You can achieve financial freedom through real estate investing without sacrificing the relationships that mean the most to you. Now, here's your host, Lee Yoder. All right, three full listeners, I uh, got another great guest today, uh, a favorite of mine, um, Julie Holly is joining today. She was episode 28, so if you want to uh, jump back and, and hear more about the beginning, because today we'll kind of get an update of what's been going on. But um, Julie has been in uh, the real estate industry for a long time because her family has been into it. Um, she left her public school teacher job at 22, left security to that occupation uh, for residential real estate four years later, managed the family's uh, residential rent- rentals. But uh, feeling like that real estate market was topping, uh, they decided to sell their single family portfolio, uh, sell their profits until uh, Julie discovered apartment syndication. So s- similar path that I have, uh, that's one, one reason we connect. Um, so she immediately knew she was best suited for this asset class. She immersed herself, consume a bunch of education, create a fantastic network of like-minded investors, uh, started a fun and formative podcast. I've had uh, the benefit of being on it. It's called Ask Me How I Know. Great, um, great podcast about multifamily investor stories and the struggles uh, that they have to, to success. Um, but Julie uh, lives out in Idaho. Uh, she's a Christ follower like I am, got a family, does a lot of the same things. So we just connect on a lot of uh, different levels. So, so glad to have you back on the show, Julie. Thanks again for joining me. I'm so, I'm so glad to be back. And I'm, I'm happy that we had an opportunity to talk about hobby farm life a little bit before we start yes. recording. You know, chickens nice. and pigs really do matter. <laughs> yeah, and probably maybe not. That's not what the listeners tuned in for. So we got that out of the way. Now we can kind of get into business with they, exactly. they in for, the real estate stuff. So um, yeah, Julie, uh, a little bit on your your background. It's been um, a little over a year, I think, since we talked. Uh, we, we've kept in, in touch, but um, for those that don't get to follow you um, through all through your podcast and all the the great social media posts that you put out, um, why don't you just give us a little bit of update? Uh, maybe what's happened in the past year, and then what do you you and Steve and, and the family have going on now? Yeah, a lot has happened in the last year and a lot has not happened in the last year. Mm-hmm. So we'll start with we'll start with the good things, right? Uh, my husband, Steve, you know, he has his broker's license now in um, Idaho. Great. He's going to be partnering up and opening a brokerage. And that's super exciting. It's so amazing when you see your spouse flourishing and his blessed, like his business is just absolutely blessed. And That's awesome. um, yeah. so I, I'll encourage people right now, if, you know, if you are considering making some type of change, really, it was a God change and God really kind of pushed him out of one brokerage firm and into another. And okay. that just opened up a whole series of doors um, for his business and his life. And that's exciting. Now, 
when it comes to apartment investing, might end up being so in North Idaho, you know, Lee, you asked, you said, oh, so now that Steve's a broker, is he going to be bringing you all these deals? Yeah, right? <laughs> so that should work. That should it really, he should, he should throw his wife a bone, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, but um, you know, living on the, the Canadian border, we just don't have a strong multifamily market. And uh, so yeah. um, that is, you know, inhibitive. And then there's this other mm-hmm. element, um, you know, we had something come up kind of in our backyard, uh, you know, in our small town. So we were in a county of 10,000 in town. There are 2,500 people. Okay. And I, small. small town, you know, Mayberry, you really know what's going on. Um, so I'll underwrite if small multi comes up. There are, I think, six small multifamily properties in our community. <laughs> you yeah, know, not one many. of, not many, small thing. One of them popped up for sale recently. And I underwrote it, but I would have to displace the residents in order to have a business plan that actually produced returns. Based on the purchase price, because you had to purchase it, it for someone, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yep. and and so, you know, you, I'm looking at, I know the residents, not, not all of them personally, but I definitely know the type of residents that need this particular housing. And honestly, I didn't feel that, I could, I could not with a clear conscience go in there and purchase it and put in a business plan that would actually perform and create the, you know, the returns that investors are looking for. Right. I couldn't like go in there with a clear conscience and do that because they don't have another place to go in our community. So I did underwrite it. I submitted an LOI, you know, at the price where everything penciled out and made sense and figured I'll leave it to God. I'm going to, I'm going to do my part and, and at least, you know, throw my hat in the ring. I'm guessing you were a little bit under the asking price. (laughs) Right. Just a smidge. (laughs) Well, you you make a really good point, Julie. And I mean, um, yeah, hopefully there's, there's um, humanitarian part to to our business and, and the goals here, because I mean, what what I like about real estate, what I love about it is is it can truly be a win-win. And, you know, we, we definitely have, you know, some apartment buildings where the plan is, absolutely to, to raise rents significantly because we plan on putting so much money into the property. So we want to, you know, take it from a C class to a B class property, right? Like the one we just bought is, is kind of what a lot of people are looking for. We, we feel like we bought a C class building in a B class area. So our goal is, is to turn it into a B class building. Well, if you do that, your C class residents can decide, Hey, I can afford a B class building or I'm going to move. But the difference here, and kind of what you're saying is, I know there's a, there's a bunch of other C-class buildings. Mm-hmm. So, it, yeah. you know, if they want to stay C-class, um, they can do that. If they, if they decide, hey, we want to stay here and we like a lot of the changes and, and we think it's worth an extra $100 a month maybe, um, then they can they can stay, but they do have another option. So you're kind of saying, you know, in, in a small town in an area, you know, on the border of Canada, more rural area, they, they truly would have to, to, to take their kids to a different school or something, right? Like that's, that's a lot different, you know, displacing someone out of town uh, because- uh, the other thing I was going to hit on is, is you're right. Like the prices that you have to pay for a multifamily today. And in, in, in my opinion, I think you agree. You, you can't just go in, Hey, we'll just pay this price. Um, you know, and, and we'll keep rents where they are and we'll just cash flow. you know, just like the previous That's owner hard. was right. No. Cause the previous owner paid a million for it and they want to sell it for 2 million. Well, the taxes on and That's what a lot of people forget, but the mortgage on yep you know, a $1.5 million loan or $1.6 million loan is a lot different than the taxes on a seven or $800,000 loan. 
So your mortgage is way higher, expenses going up. Your taxes are going to be much higher. Your insurance costs is going to be much higher. Everything else can stay the same, but Everything. those three costs, now all of a sudden, the rent that the previous owner was getting, maybe it covers your expenses, but you know, you're not <laughs> making any money. So why would you buy it? So the yep. only way to make all that work is to raise rent. If your expenses are going to increase, you've got to increase your, your revenue as well, right? You've got to, income has to increase along with expenses. And so you're saying in this typical scenario, like you don't even know if, if it's that feasible to increase income, but if you did, you're kind of kicking people out of town maybe because there's not another place for them to go and you didn't feel comfortable doing that. But yeah, I'm glad, you know, to kind of go through that because I think we both agree that's absolutely the world we live in. If you want to purchase a multifamily today, you are, you're going to have to raise rent. You're going to have to see some value add. You're going to have to put some money into it. It's very rare that you can find a property where you can go in, just get some good debt and just let things ride. Right. Like there's going to have to be a, a value add plan. I always, I hear people talk about, you know, the only way to make it work right now is off market deals, but with so many people, too many people are proving that wrong. You know, I mean, brokers yeah. are, you know, producing and bringing great deals to, you know, opportunities to the table. But I do hear that. I mean, at least you can get a lower purchase price potentially, you know, you can get and negotiate maybe some better terms, but Exactly. I think and that's an interesting element to all of this is where are the the ethics and the values and things like that. Just making sure that every every purchase is is aligned completely and wholly. And um, honestly, wouldn't it be cool if there were more churches involved? Quite frankly, I literally thought in my head, wouldn't it be great if maybe the local churches banded together and actually started buying some of these small multifamily? Yeah, just as a ministry concepts could be a yeah. really great opportunity. Yeah. That's something I hadn't thought about, but yeah, I like that. Yeah. I know I was interviewing one guy and he was talking about um, a, an investor he knew uh, was a Jewish guy, Jewish faith. And, and he got a lot of his funding from his, from his church and his church community. And they kind of made together and that's how he was able to grow his portfolio. And I don't know if it was connected to the church, but yeah, he's like, man, how cool is it that that community would, would support him? He's like, I wish the Christian community would, would do more of that. So that, that that's, that's a great idea because um, yeah, there is so much good to be done out there. Um, and, and to provide, I mean, everybody talks about, you know, the lack of affordable housing and stuff. Um, so I love being in this space. I, I, I like to own C-Class. I feel like we can still provide affordable living um, and, mm -hmm. you know, make a profit for us and our investors and stuff. And that's, that's what's fun about it. But yeah, I mean, digging that a little bit more, Julie. So, so your, your local market's not, not, not a good place. And that, you know, right. That you're not alone in that. I mean, there, there's a lot of people that, that, yeah, if you live in a really small area, you know, probably not the best area to, to invest, at least long-term, maybe you get one deal, but then, Hey, you know, you got to move elsewhere. Some people are in an incredibly expensive market and they decide the deals here don't cash flow. You know, everybody's yep. chasing, chasing the appreciation here. I'm not comfortable doing that. I want to buy for cash flow. So, so what do you do? So you got to step out of your market, right? What, what, what's been, uh, yeah, you're kind of your road this past year to find deals if they're not in your backyard and you yeah. can't count on Steve to bring them to you. <laughs> exactly. I just have to creep. This is not great. Yeah. Right. So um, I actually banded together. I have a team that um, we've got boots on the ground in Columbus, Ohio. And that's, yeah. it's, I mean, of course, every market right now, if you talk to anybody, everything across the na nation is on fire with right. people just trying to get in. And it completely makes sense. I mean, people are finding a, trying to find a really safe space to park their capital. 
They are, okay, you know, who knows what's going on with the economy? Who knows what's going on with inflation? Who knows what's going to, I mean, there are so many dynamics that we know about, right? So they're, they're just, they're flocking. And also just the availability where people actually have access to learn about this sort of investing. Now we have more people coming to the investing table. And so it makes sense that it's just lit on Mm -hmm. fire across the country. Um, Columbus, Ohio, we both know crazy. Um, And so we're getting closer. We made it to best and final. Uh, Um, We weren't willing, we weren't willing to release our financing contingency. And, and that's just for me, a conservative approach. Like, It doesn't matter. I've been around real estate long enough to know that you could have everything lined up perfectly and something could happen at the last moment. I'm personally, I like to sleep at night and that's outside of my comfort zone to say, yeah, yeah, who cares about that financing contingency? I don't know what's going to happen. What if we have another 08 situation because financing just dried up up. quickly? What about last year? Do you remember? was that two years? Well, COVID, but even before that, um, there was a spike in interest rates and that yep. changed people's financing terms. So some deals fell apart then. So, I mean, to release that didn't seem safe. What do you think about that? I'm curious your thoughts. Would Do you ever We're, release those financing con- contingencies? No, we never have. I mean, I think you make a good point. One thing I've made me think of is in each time that we're getting, we're getting under contract, I've said, hey, we're fine with a 60-day close, but we have to have the option of extending because- Oh, yeah. Every close I've done, um, the bank, we never close in 60 days, even when I've sold property. So I've been on both sides of it and the banks can't get it done in 60 days, especially since COVID. And most of mine have, have sold since COVID. Um, you know, that they're, they're, they've lost people, you know, not, not working anymore uh, in their industry, just like so many other industries. And then just, you know, the backlog of different things. So it would make me nervous too, um, if, if you can extend uh, that would give you at least time to to go get new financing. Um, I would have to have some partners that for sure knew some people with deep pockets that said if it fell through, we could fund it, Worst and then you guys scenario. could finance. Yeah, like we could find. Like, I would have to have some out because you're right. Yeah. You you can never count on you can never count on anything. I mean, yeah, so many different things can happen. I mean, you and I have talked to enough other investors to hear enough stories about. Hey, we had all this money committed and a guy that, that had 500,000 committed pulled out. And so now we're 500,000 yep. short on a raise. We had this bank committed and then the bank went out of business or the, the bank got, you know, the, the, uh, which the FDIC is it, they came in and shut down or something. I mean, yeah, you, you never know. So you, you, you've got to leave yourself some out. So if you could extend a couple of times, um, the way we do the extensions and we say, you know, we can always extend 15 days for, you know, another 10,000 down, you know, another 10,000 earnest money or something. So it's like, Hey, we're not just extending to extend. We'll put more money up mm-hmm. because we know we're going to close. Right. It's just a matter of time. So yep. usually I put that in and it doesn't say like we can extend once it says we can extend for 15 days with an extra 10,000. So we could technically do it as many times as we want. Um, I mean, cause it just says we can do it. So maybe I would go that route. I mean, um, we did, we put, we put up hard money the last deal. Have you, you have you seen that or, or considered that? Because that was that was what we felt like took it. And that, I mean, you would talk about being nervous. That made us nervous. We had some go hard day one, and then some of it went hard after the inspection. So that is prevalent in the marketplace today, right? It is 
so prevalent, so prevalent. Yeah. In fact, I know someone that just lost $28,000 because oh. of that. And, yeah. and things fell apart outside yep. of that person's control and everything. And that's one of those reminders where it's, you know, cautionary tale of be, be willing to just be fully advised that you could really lose this money. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 So. It's a very, it's a very competitive market. You make a lot of good points. So you like, you know, it's just more people have, I think, learned what you and I have known for, for a couple of years now or a few years now, just what a great investment multifamily is. Um, and, and in this, in this part of the market cycle where, I mean, a lot of people use the term, like everybody's seeking yield, chasing yield. You can't, there's not very many places in the market anymore where you can get a good a yield, which means like kind of like your cash on cash return that doesn't have higher risk. Um, I think more and more people are going, okay, I've done really well in the stock market. It's an all time high. It just keeps going. Like, does it go up forever? Do trees really grow to the, to the sky? Or is it like 98, 99, where everybody thought it could never crash and then it crashed? Like, I think more and more people are going, where else can I put my money? I, I want to diversify. I've done well. And, and you can't make anything in bonds. You, you can't make anything in a bank. So where can I put my money that's, that's safe, that's safer than the stock market that does well during recession? I don't lose anything during recession. You know, maybe my return's a little bit less, but I don't lose all my money, you know, but I can still make a good return. I can, you know, get six, seven, eight percent cash on cash return, but it's also safe. And a lot of people are coming to multifamily. It's so competitive and that's discouraging. So that's sure. the, the, I gave the glory news about all these great things about Steve, which is really exciting, but honestly, I'm at a point right now where it's quite discouraging. I have yeah. opportunities that I'm working on, but I, you know, we, every role is limited in what they can actually execute in a, in an opportunity. Right. So mm-hmm. I can't, push mount. I can't move mountains. And so I have one, one opportunity right now where it's like, I just, let's get this across the finish line already, <laughs> you know, but you know, you learn to patience and waiting. I feel like God yeah. is always reminding every person, wait, it's okay to wait. And so that's been one yeah. of my biggest learning pieces. I think over the last year, since, you know, we last spoke on the podcast is what are you racing for? So I've really been reflecting on this a lot. I, a lot of people want to just jump in and get all these units. And I have this many doors. Why are they cash flowing? What is your, what is your actual net at the end of the day? Cause if you're not netting anything, I don't really want to hear about it. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, good for you for getting them, but it's not really doing anything. Um, and so, you know, really looking at why are people racing and why am I racing? And so I'm coming to this point of stillness where surrender, acceptance, just to say, I don't need to be chasing after the finish line. I need to be disciplined. I need to be pursuing this. I need to be, you know, ambitious for sure. None of that is faded. But I have this concept of if I'm chasing towards the finish line overall in life, I'm chasing towards death. (laughs) (laughs) Like, really, it just, it really comes, if you simplify it, that's what you're chasing towards. I don't want to be chasing after death. Well, I don't mind going to heaven. That'd be really great. But I want to be purposeful with what I'm doing now. So push, push, push as much as I can to make everything happen Mm -hmm. that I have control over. And Mm -hmm. then to allow that time to breathe, decompress and say in the right time, everything will come about. And it's okay if it takes longer. So I've had a lot of 
Uh, I had a bruised ego for a bit. It's <laughs> just like, yep. why this should be, ha- I'm doing everything the way it should be done. I should have closed like 5 million deals already. What's going on. <laughs> and, and to just surrender and say, okay, that's okay. I'm learning, I'm growing and it's happening. It's just not happening as fast as I want. Great stuff, Julie. Gr- great perspective. Um, I- I've, God has, has decided to teach me those same lessons, <laughs> you know, um, about his timing versus our timing. You and I have talked enough times to know, like, we kind of work at the same speed and, you know, probably have about the same uh, amount of patience thus far. Um, <laughs> what, you know, what, what's that P low. word? You just said the P word. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we, we want things, you know, to happen. Uh, we're probably better built as far as our patience and our, our speed, like to flip. But we, you know, we, we believe in the multifamily <laughs> stuff. It's a long process. Um and, and yeah, I, I know when I was waiting so long, I, I kept, you know, feel like God was, was pointing me to, to some of the stories in the Old Testament where he made people wait like 40 years to enter the promised land, you know, where uh, I kept telling him our, our real estate journey was like when Abraham and Sarah set off for the promised land and they didn't know where it was. They just started walking. I, it made me think of that when you were talking about like, you're going to keep pushing, you're going to keep going, but you're not necessarily, you know, hey, you don't know where the finish line is. Abraham, you know, Abraham didn't know where the promised land was like. I mean, he took a lot of detours. It took him a long time to get there. And he gave up at times, got frustrated, you know, kind of stopped listening to God at times. I mean, I kept when Jacob, right, went to stay with his uh, uncle Laban and he had to work for him for seven years. And then he got the, the wrong daughter. So he had to do another seven years. I, God, God kept putting that in my mind. And I was like, that I can't do that. God, I cannot do seven years, like maybe seven months. And because uh, I was also wanting to leave my job to do this full time. And it felt like for ever until I got to leave my job. But that's such a good word because, you know, it, it is hard when you see other people closing deals and, and you know, you're doing the same things and doing the right things and working just as hard, maybe harder and you're not closing deals, but it is a good perspective too, to remember that the goal is not to accumulate doors and units. The, the goal is to accumulate units, the cash flow. And you and I know some prices that are being paid that it's hard to imagine. Like we mentioned, if you realize that your mortgage is going to be a lot higher and your taxes are going up and your insurance are going up, can you really cash flow? And, and if not, then, then why would you why would you purchase it at that price? So some really good perspective because it, it, it can be very frustrating um, in the multifamily space right now that you're doing the right things. And if you're staying conservative and you want to provide a good return for your investors, it's hard to get in. I, okay, preach it. I happen to be reading through Genesis <laughs> right now. I, like was reading in Genesis 15 this morning when, you know, God is getting, giving Abraham the, it's not Abraham yet. So he's like giving him the promise and everything. Mm-hmm. But right before that, he's rescuing, you know, his nephew Lot. And, you know, in that section, maybe it's chapter 13 or 14, but he like you hear Abraham kind of saying, what up, God? It was the first time he kind of does it. Yeah, and, it yep. and it's great. You know, it's absolutely great. Yeah. When it comes to that conservative underwriting, that's the other part. And so I've jokingly told people, I guess I'm going to get a reputation for being the most particular person in the industry. And I don't think that that's going to be a bad reputation to have, but I'm looking at the way people, I, you know, I'm feel fortunate and blessed that I'm invited to opportunities, but then I look at the underwriting and I don't agree with the assumptions being made. And so when you're looking at underwriting and you're seeing just if this one assumption is incorrect, this deal falls apart and there isn't a, I mean, there's not a fail safe. 
you're done. And that's what I'm really concerned about when I see so many people, because now we already addressed, there are so many people now entering this space and it's fun and I can do it. And I just got this deal, but what's going to happen when the tide recedes. So I think that that's, I keep reminding myself that the tide does go out. I've watched it multiple times in real estate and just listen to a really great podcast, this particular interview, you know, it's talking about the tide is going to recede and how is that uh, investment going to stand strong? Yeah. Right. Yep. Like yeah. you're operating. I trust you're operating. So I'm going to like extrapolate a little more. The pool of people that I want to work with is shrunk down so much over the last <laughs> year as I've reviewed underwriting, you know, like, yeah. wow, I love, I love you as a person. I think you're an awesome person, but I couldn't, I can't live with those assumptions. <laughs> yeah. That, and that's what it comes down to. You're absolutely right. It's because we just said the prices you have to pay today, they're, they're just not deals. You mentioned, you know, finding off-market deals. I even think the off-market deals, the owners know what they have. They know how they know your, their property is valuable. So you can't go and, and quote unquote, steal properties. You're going to have to pay more. You've got to try to get as little competition as possible to, to pay up as little as possible. But then there has to be a way to, to raise rents a little bit. But if you think you're going to raise rents a whole bunch, and like you said, like things soften a little bit and, and it can happen. So it does happen and it can happen. And it and happens if, if, over and it happens fast. We're, yes, happens, right, right, right. It unravels fast. <laughs> yeah. They say the market goes up on an escalator and goes down on an elevator. And that, yeah. I mean, we've, we've seen, everybody saw that in 08 and mm-hmm. It's interesting to hear people repeat a lot of the same things. I, I wasn't in the market back then, but yeah, I've read enough and listened to enough. Of, and the thing I always say to people is I am not willing to bet that the next three years look at the la- like the last three years. And I think what you're saying is a lot of people are. They're, they're willing to say, hey, you see this growth we've had? You see all this great things that happened in the past three years? That's what the next three years are going to look like. And well, again, maybe it does. But if it doesn't and your property can't withstand that, that's not good, you know, right? That right. you're putting your investors at risk. So one way that we are finding some other opportunities, at least in um, one of the markets we're in, is networking with other investors. So you mm-hmm. can only take down so many deals at once. I know we all want to take down like five deals at once, but at some point, most people, unless you're some very large group that has right. super deep pockets and a huge investor pool, and there are ton, there are people like that out there, but you know, a lot of the smaller, you know, multis, they're not trading to the, that caliber of person. And mm-hmm. so at some point, investors are going to run out of capital and they have a sure. deal that they have access to, or it simply, maybe they're a bigger operator. This is a deal that came across their plate, doesn't fit their criteria, but they know it fits your criteria. So really learning the importance of being networked within, you know, our peer group so that Mm -hmm. we can spin deals to each other because again, it might not work for one person, but it's going to work for another. Yeah, that's a great, great point. And that's exactly how we got our first one. And we're able to kind of break into the midsize, you know, apartment investing space because another investor, he's also a broker, but he's, he's an investor first. He likes, I mean, I, I call his properties D. He would, he would say they're C-class. I think they're more D-class. He says if he falls through the floor, he falls in love with the property. So <laughs> I think that's C-class. So anyway, he found a property that was more like, you know, true C, maybe even C-plus. 
and it's just, it's not what he wants. Like he thinks it's too expensive, you know, whereas me, I'm like, no, that's actually a pretty good deal, you know, in, in this market and stuff. So uh, he passed that one to us, to your point. And, and he he brokered it. So, you know, he, he made some good money on the, the clothes on it, uh, but it just wasn't his, his type of property that he wants. So because of that relationship, he gave us a chance at it and we were, you know, so absolutely. That's a great way to do it. And that's, what's fun about multifamily. Um, Julie, I think you agree is that it, it, it doesn't have to be a zero sum game, a dog eat dog world. Like there's a lot of deals out there and the deals are big. So even, even in amongst deals, you know, I know you were talking about having partners, like you can go out and say, Hey, Julie, do you have, you know, if you don't have any deals that you're working on, we got this deal. We actually don't have enough investors. Would you want to bring your investors on this deal? You know? And, and like you said, then you go and underwrite it. And if their assumptions are crazy, then you say, <laughs> no, I'm not bringing my investors on a deal. But if, if they have good assumptions, um, realistic assumptions, and it's, and it's a market, then you can partner instead of, you know, just trying to compete all the time. What, what do you think is a key ingredient to be a successful real estate investor? And let's, since we've, we've talked about it so much and you, you've done such a good job of kind of explaining the market today and the frustrations. So today, you know, in this market, what do you, what do you think it takes to be a uh, successful real estate investor, specifically multifamily? I'm going to, I'm going to go with uh, surrendered resilience. Okay. I was going to give it two well words. Very artful. <laughs> Thank you. All right. The little writer is coming out, but uh -huh. I think that everyone does have to, you know, do your best, be resilient, stay the course, don't give up, don't quit, right? You're running the marathon, but you also have to surrender to, you know, what is on the table right now, what is happening that's outside of your control and just accept it, surrender. Okay. That's where that is, but I'm not going to change my stride. I am going to stick with this to the end. Yeah, I think that's a great word. You're right. I mean, yeah, it, it's, they say there's markets where there's tons of deals and very little money, you know, people that invested in nine, 10, 11, 12, it's all times like that. And then there's, there's markets where there's tons of money and no deals. That's today. Um, it's so, yeah. always like that. Yeah. 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 But yeah, you're right. I mean, you, you be resilient, you know, don't stick with it. It's, um, you know, it, it, multifamily is the compound effect. You do a bunch of work that seems to not be doing anything, but it, it, it's building up, it's building up, you're building all this momentum. And then you finally get it and you, it, it takes off. I have my like high performance planner I do in the mornings. And it says like, so one of the messages to myself was you must do the right activities to get the, re the results you're looking for. And if you want that result of closing a deal, if you want something, then you have to just continue to do the right activities. Yeah. And if you continue, it will come about. It will. Just a matter of time. So for other real estate investors, they want to have that real estate success. They want to, you know, make the mm -hmm. progress like you have to do the things, but they also want to maintain their priorities. What's what's a key ingredient or or give us some some um, things that you do to maintain those priorities of following Christ, honoring I'll your husband you and your kids? Oh yeah, yeah. I will tell you, this is gonna sound crazy to some people, but my planner. So I actually did a little experiment. I went on summer vacation <laughs> and I didn't <laughs> use my planner. And I watched what happened in my world and it all shifted and, and it worked. It's fine. It was an experiment, but because I wanted to see almost like if someone was taking a medication for something and you're like, Oh, it's not, it's placebo. It's not working. And then you take it off. So I was doing this similar um, experiment with my planner and using that planner structures my time in a way that I am available and present. So we homeschool our kids. They go through a virtual college prep academy, but that requires my presence. And 
I need to be calm because I'm an intense person. I am high strung. <laughs> and, that, and so I need to just know that I have the right space to work with my kids. So having that time allows me to be relaxed, which allows my kids to be relaxed and responsive and prioritizing. So, you know, finding the nooks and crannies at different times. If your kids are now we have a child in a sport and we're getting into the running around parts of life. Yeah. So my husband and I go to the gym in the morning and that's been our thing for almost three years now, I think two, three years. Yep. And, and that's our, our time. It sounds silly to some people, but you find it might not be okay. It's a concentrated date, but it's at least contact where we can talk and we can yeah. drive to oh, the gym yeah. together. And it's just us, no interruptions. Even if you just sit with your spouse, if you have kids and you have no interruptions, it's gold. Yes. That's, <laughs> right? Yes. And I'd say it's all for want if you are not starting your day in your Bible. So, you know, like waking up and making that the priority. And I do yeah. say starting the day, it's, I hear I am going to be like really encouraging people to say, start your day that way. Because if you're ending your day, you didn't feed. It's like, I'm going to try to go spend my whole day running a marathon, but I'm not going to eat any food until the end of the day. (laughs) Like, you're going to crash and burn. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. Yep. We need to be fed by the word. And yeah, hopefully that's the way we see the world as we go through. And that's what's leading us throughout our day. Yeah, it's a really good point. Your planner, what what I hear you saying um, is, is you're being intentional about your time. I've heard this in several different places. I feel like God is like, just keeps putting at me, but it's the idea of time blocking and like how that mm-hmm. is, is such a powerful way to be efficient, to be effective, to do the right things to say. And, and I think, you know, people like you and I, Julie, who, who just really value our, our, our faith and our family, we time block for that. And I think that that's what I hear you saying is if I have time blocked for my husband, then I, then I feel good about spending that time. And I don't, think about doing other things because I've got a time block for that. So I'll get to, you know, exactly. I've got time for that. And that I'm, I'm just talking through this because I'm, I'm trying to get myself to do that more because <laughs> it is hard for me sometimes to, to time block for my, for my kids specifically, because it feels like I'm not doing anything and I always want to be doing something. And sometimes with your kids, it's just about just playing. Oh my gosh. Time, right? It can and be like, so not, maddening. Yeah, it, you it, just it can be like, be. I don't want to just stay here. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually running now with my daughter. She, she that's wants awesome. to run. She's 10. And so oh, that's, that's super awesome. fun. It's like, okay, yeah. there's our activity, but <laughs> yeah. And you're exercising. Find... You feel like you're doing something. And that's for me too. The Nirvana, I, my wife makes fun of me because if I can get my kids to come out and like help stack wood while I'm splitting wood. Then I'm like, this is awesome because I'm spending time with my kids, but I also get to do something like or something like that's awesome. If I get, and she's like, yeah, sometimes they just want you to do nothing. Okay. I'll work. You know, we'll work on that. I have surrendered one of my goals, literally on my goals for 2020. So to sit and watch a movie. I can't stand sitting around watching movies. It drives me insane, but <laughs> my kids love watching movies. And so oh, it's yeah. like, okay, I need to, at least, you know, like a couple times a month, it's written down, whatever it is, right? Like, I think it's twice a month, sit down and watch a movie with the kids. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Cause, because that's what they want you to do. You know, that's what they want from you. So, Hey, last time um, you recommended a couple books, you recommended, um, I want to thank you because you recommended the storybook Bible and sent it to us and we <laughs> love it. Uh, we've, we've been through at least so a couple great. times because we always read in the morning. So, you know, you keep waking your way through it. Um, my boy has me reading the, uh, it's called the action Bible. Now it's like oh. a comic book. 
Uh, so we're, yeah. you know, and I do all so- the, I, I get to do all the voices. So um, <laughs> that, that, that's a, that's a fun one now. Um, Cause there's so much emotion in those characters. So I'm doing all these crazy voices, which have been fun, but um, any, any new, but I know you're, I know you're a voracious reader and going through stuff. What, what's the next I'll give uh, two. Book recommendation? I'll give two. I'm, I'm okay. always, I'm like, I'm sur- I'm surrounded by books all the time. Like there, there's my, like, yeah. Let's just have the pile. Okay, so I'm going to recommend two. Gosh, I could recommend like a hundred. I have on my website julieholly.com. There's the best books reading list. Oh, okay. And it's always changing because okay. I'm adding to it, and it's yeah. also the books that are on my. Oh, I want to read those, but I haven't gotten to them yet. Right yep. now, I'm reading Soundtracks by John mm-hmm. Acuff. He bridged the gap between the Christian world and the professional world. Oh, cool. um, so he wrote Start. He wrote Finished. He wrote Quitter. Um, and soundtracks is, is, this is called the surprising solution to overthinking. Very mm. simple. He's hilarious. That's one of the things I love about reading him. So my book club is going through this right now and it's an easy read. It's fun, but it's profound also. So if you're just awesome. looking for, it's perfect for, you know, that summertime type read where you can just blast through it, but you're still getting something without feeling yeah. like your brain's sweating. But I will say for families looking for something that's on theology, I love this book right here. It's called Leading Little Ones to God. I mean, it literally goes into the Holy Spirit in ways that will help a lot of adults. Awesome. I really appreciate you being honest, Julie, with um, the frustrations that you've had with the challenges, because that is the realistic version of of this industry, um, of trying to buy an apartment building. It's it's not flipping houses. It's not buying single family homes where you you can expect to buy five, 10, 15, 20 a year. It's you can buy one apartment building a year and have a successful career in it. That, that's that's how it goes. That that is in the industry. If you want to, you know, be there for the long run and, and make smart decisions and buy right, like everybody says you, you have to do. Before I let you go, um, you mentioned JulieHolly.com. Is that the best place for us to send people? Um, yeah, how definitely. Can people find out more about you. You can find everything I have. I wear a lot of different hats between uh, real estate investing my podcast, my book club. Mm-hmm. I yeah. wear, I have a lot of different resources on that website. So no matter where you're at in your investment journey, if you just need to get a book list as a starting spot, um, that is a really helpful resource. A lot of people have downloaded it and told me this is fantastic. Uh, and and oh, the yeah. books that I've read, I, I vet the books before I put them on my list. <laughs> so yeah. anyhow, it's super, super great place to connect. I'll yeah. invite your listeners, if you don't mind, to the, I have a five-week book club and we just, I have a, a background in education. So I just use that, break the books down into five weeks. You only have to read, I think the average is seven pages a day, five days a week. So it's 35 pages a week. Yeah. Anybody can do that. But most of us don't break it down. As long as I can do audio. Yeah, (laughs) we have people that, oh, that are listening to the audio. Yep. (laughs) So that works. Well, awesome, Julie. Before I let you go, though, um, how might my listeners and I be praying for you in the coming weeks? You know, patience. Total uh, patience overall in life. Mm -hmm. You know, God is always grooming and cultivating something. And I think that I thought that I had patience down, but... I'm, I'm learning even more about that surrender and that acceptance and trusting God's timing, even like, not just even, but especially with our investing. So just yeah. praying for op- the right opportunities and patience for the right opportunities. Yep. 
That's good. I yeah. I want I want people to pray for that for me too. But I think uh, we should all pray that for each yeah, other. <laughs> you know, but yeah, we'll definitely add that to our prayer list uh, for you, Julie. That's a good one. Thank you. Well, great. Hey, thanks. Thanks so much for coming on again. Always love talking to you. Uh, I love your perspective on 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 life, on following Christ, on family, uh, and, and on multifamily. I think we're we're very similar um, in, in how we look at things and, and the market and the risk and our investment things like that. So, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all your, your knowledge and wisdom. Uh, Thanks so much, Lee. It's always a joy. Yeah, take care. Thank you for joining us for another great episode. I hope you'll take action on what you've learned today. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving Lee a five-star rating and review. And check him out on threefoldrei.com. Until next time, 1 Timothy 6.17.